You are listening to an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's Word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org. Okay, we are in Hebrews chapter 3. And my desire this morning, as it is every Sunday morning, but um, in particular, is just to explain this text. There are several passages in the book of Hebrews that are referred to as warning passages. And here is one of them. And uh, there are passages that, um, unfortunately, not due to the passage, but, but due to how they're read, that uh, cause people confusion. And confusion in particular about whether or not um, salvation is maintained or lost. And this is one of those passages that uh, some of the people struggle with. And I want to go back to where we were at in verse 6 and move on from there. Um, Firmly holding uh, a believer is one who firmly holds fast to the hope that he or she has in Christ. Uh, We talked about the nature of genuine faith. We're looking at five responses that lead to genuine faith. And uh, the first is to consider Christ and who he is. And the second one was to, uh, that a believer is one who firmly holds fast the hope of Christ. So let's look at verse 6. I'm going to read it. Let's pick it up, verse 5. Excuse me. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant. So he was a servant in the house that God had established as Israel for a testimony of those things which would be spoken. Uh, afterward referring to Christ. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope, firm to the end. I want to unpack this in verse 6, because it's really a very powerful and confident statement that we have in verse 6, as we look at the nature of genuine faith. And I'm going to uh, put it up here for you, literally how it flows in the original language. Um, it, it won't flow smoothly and nicely like it does in English, but it brings across the emphasis uh, of this verse and what is being communicated. So there you have it. This uh, is literally the order in which it reads, but Christ as Son over the house of His whose house we ourselves are, if the confidence and the boasting of the hope unto the end firm we hold fast. So does that sound like nice and smooth in English? (laughs) But it brings across the emphasis um, that is there in the verse, which is Christ as the Son is... Christ is over his house, and he's over his house as a son, not a servant, contrasting to verse 5. There's a distinction there in in position and status. And then, um, whose house we are. So, we, talking to everybody generally, who, who is 
um, part of the early church who is present. doesn't mean they're all believers. Uh, we are part of this house if this following reality is in our lives. If the confidence and the boasting of the hope firm we hold fast. And then under that would be unto the end, unto the completion. So let's unpack this a little bit now. This word confidence is a word that means boldness or courage based upon a right provided. It's interesting that with this word, it is in the political realm, and I'm not talking about the current political realm, I'm talking about how this word was used way back in the first century and prior to the first century, as the Greeks used it. In the political realm, it was often used of free speech, to be able to speak freely. So therefore, uh, to do that, you had to have a confidence that you could, and that you could do so without recrimination. And so that is part of what's in this confidence. And when it says courage based upon a right provided, it's talking about the fact that a person takes an action because there, there, there's a right provided as a foundation for that action. So when it speaks of a boldness as it pertains to the uh, expectation, the hope that we have in Christ, it's based upon a confidence, a right that we have in Christ. Not a right that's inherent to us, but a right that is provided to us in and through Christ. And so we have a right to stand before God. We have a right to expect that, uh, of that salvation that is promised in Christ Jesus. Not because of ourselves, not because we have forcefully taken it, but because God has provided that right in Christ Jesus. And so we stand before God with a confidence that is based upon the, the right that God has given us to stand before him in Christ Jesus. And of course, that right is provided through the means of faith. When we trust Christ, that right is extended to us, that we can stand before the living God in Christ Jesus and be accepted. That is what um, the 2820 class emphasized in that video testimony, uh, the assurance that Micah had that he would stand accepted before God in Christ Jesus, and he didn't have to depend upon his works in any way, shape, or form. And so he's talking about, if you have this confidence, so we are part of this house if we have this confidence. Let's back up a little bit there in verse 6. But Christ as Son... So that is emphasizing his deity, his uniqueness. But Christ is over his house, and he's over his house as son, son of God. And so he has his house. Moses had his house mean, in a metaphorical sense, meaning Israel. And that was what God communicated through Moses, through the um, law through the Ten Commandments and the laws that flowed from that. And so the Scriptures refer to him as, as the servant in that house, verse 5. But Christ has a house, by way of contrast, 
And he is not a servant in the house. He is son. He has a different position, a different status. So he has his house. Whose house we ourselves are. We are part of this house. If the following realities are true in our life. It doesn't mean that everyone that the writer was writing to was part of that house. He's saying, you can know that you're part of this house that Christ the Son has if this following reality you embrace. And there's an emphasis there that, uh, you, that we do not see in English, and it's whose house, and we just translate it we are, but in the Greek it's whose house we ourselves definitely are part of. We, this is true if this following statement is a reality in your life. If the confidence, the courage, the, the boldness to know that we can stand and do stand before God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith. And that is a right that is provided to us. If we have that confidence within us, because we put our faith in Christ Jesus. But he goes on to say, and the boasting. Interesting word. It's often translated in Scripture, boasting. In this uh, particular verse, it is often translated rejoicing, which is fine. It's fine to translate it that way. But this word <clears throat> emphasizes a reason for or a right to boast. What is the basis of your boasting, of your uh, exalting, not in a proud, selfish sense, but upon what do you boast? What basis do you boast? And today, Ohio State fans can boast about how their team thoroughly thrashed Michigan, because they did. And there's a basis for saying that. Now, they go overboard, but nevertheless, there's a legitimate reason <laughs> and basis for their boasting. Within it is the concept of confidence as well. That is one of the nuances here. So a, a legitimate reason or right to boast. This past week, um, the week before, Susan and I were up in Michigan, we were, and, and I was at the uh, IFCA Board of Directors meeting, and we were at lunch. And I happened to, Susan and I happened to sit next to the current executive director, and he just has a great memory. And uh, he said, now, if I remember right, you were part of Hudson, that's where you're from, that's, that's the team that won 72 straight and had a national record. And, uh, and he, I said, that's right. And... Uh, and then the conversation went on, and one of the guys asked, did you play on any of those teams? And I said, yes, I played on two of them. And, and that's about all that I said. But I had a right to boast about being a part of that series of teams that established that record until it was smashed in 1997 by a team in California that recruits football players to their program, we just took whoever got there. So, 
our record is more legitimate. <laughs> but among the schools that recruit, they hold the record. Among the schools that don't recruit, we hold the record. But we ha I have a right and a basis to boast about that because it's a reality. And it's not boasting in the sense of bragging. Say, look at me, look at me, you know. And they ask, well, what positions did you play? And I answered their questions. Um, but I didn't go on and just talk about it. Yeah, yeah, we won 72 straight. And yeah, we were just dominating everybody. And, um, you know, I didn't go down that path. But there was, there's a right and a basis to, to say that that was true. And I was part of that. And that's the kind of boasting is talked about here. Not a selfish or self-oriented boasting. And... Again, the boasting is in the hope that we have in Christ. So we have a legitimate right and reason to boast in Christ. So here we're coming back to that concept of a right again. So with confidence, boldness, there's a reason, there's a, a right provided in Christ Jesus to boast or to have that confidence in Christ. And there's a reason... A legitimate reason or basis to boast in Christ Jesus, to rejoice in Christ Jesus, uh, because of the hope that we have in him. Now, the word hope speaks of a valid, confident expectation. Something that is going to happen. Not maybe happen, but it's going to happen. Do you realize that climate change is not going to bring the end of this world if, if the people who push the concepts of climate change and want to have that embraced by the nations and then as a result of that enact all of the steps that they uh, figure are the steps that need to be taken to counteract man-made uh, climate change and thus save the planet for the human population for the nations, that is not going to end. The, if that was ignored and nothing was done, this world would not end. How do I know that? Because the scriptures say nothing about climate change in that regard, but they do talk about climate change that God will affect during the tribulation period. But guess what? After that seven years of tribulation in various judgment, that number of them are climate-related. But after that seven years of tribulation, Jesus Christ returns, establishes his kingdom on this very earth, on this present earth, and he rules and reigns for a thousand years, and the effects of the curse will largely be uh, reversed. So for a thousand years beyond that, the earth will be present, and we will live here, and it's on this present earth. So it will be all the ways that this uh, present earth and universe operate. But at the end of that thousand years, and after the final judgment, there is the dissolution of the present heavens and earth by fire. God does that. That's not climate change. That's God destroying the present heavens and earth by fire. And then he makes a new heavens and a new earth, Revelation 21 and 22. That's what's going to happen. And I have confident expectation that that's where it's going to go. And we know that 
at the time of the tribulation period that the nations will be united together under the Antichrist in opposition to God and to Jesus Christ. Now, while that doesn't look like it right now, we know that that's going to be the reality because of what the Bible says. So the nations will progressively be moving slowly toward this coalescence uh, around ultimately a personality, a figure known as the Antichrist. It's not our responsibility to stop that from happening because we can't. <laughs> God's, that's God's plan. That's why he's told us this is what's going to happen. But I have confident expectation, a valid confident expectation of what is going to be. I have a valid confident expectation that when my soul departs from my body, that I will be present with the Lord. Why? Because God has told us in his word to be absent from the body for the believer is to be present with the Lord. Therefore, I have a valid confident expectation that when that moment comes, I'm immediately in the presence of the Lord. So that illustrates the concept of the hope that we're talking about here, is that, that those who are part of the household of Jesus Christ are those who have this confidence, this boldness, this courage based upon a right provided and this boasting, this confident expectation, this, this reason to boast based in Christ Jesus, and the valid hope, the valid expectation of eternal life in him, uh, the valid expectation of being present with him, that's our hope. And then he goes on to say, for those who have this confidence and this boasting of this hope, Firm, we hold fast. It's not holding fast firm to the end. It is in the order firm we hold fast. So it's talking about how we hold, hold on to this. Um, the word end means a result, a purpose, a completion. So it's not talking about end in the sense of time, like this message is going to end at 12 noon. Maybe. <laughs> It's not talking about that kind of a time orientation. It's talking about completing a goal, a result. You would drive at the end of, of a pursuit. So it's the end in the sense of the result, the purpose, the completion. <clears throat> and so as he speaks concerning uh, having this confidence and this boasting, and it, it, it is uh, one that we hold uh, for that result, that purpose, that, that point of completion that God talks about in Christ Jesus. Firm means standing firm on one's feet, reliable, certain, steadfast. So you're planted, you're firm, you're established. And it's firm deals with how we hold fast. And this word hold fast uh, means to own to enjoy, to possess. And it means to not retrain, restrain. I left out a letter. Restrain. So add that if you're writing it down. Don't write retrain. 
It's restrain, okay? My mistake. I own up to it. Um, but restraint. So you ever, certainly you've seen perhaps in sporting events where you have some a coach or a player who is just wanting to get engaged in a fight and the other, the coach or the teammates know that if that happens, they're going to get penalized and it's going to cause problems for the rest of the team. So somebody goes out there and they put their arms around that person and hold them to restrain them. That's the concept of holding, having as one's possession, holding, restraining in that sense. And so it's talking about this, this confidence and this boasting of the hope, and we hold that fat hope firmly and fastly. It, it, we have a confidence in it. We, we, are, we, are, we have bought into it. We're all in is the emphasis in this verse. And with the looking to the, the end, the result, the completion of this hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So the author is saying, you are part of this household if you have this confident embracing of this hope that is in Christ Jesus. That is characteristic of genuine faith. Genuine faith, a genuine believer, isn't on again, off again, isn't saved now, unsaved at another time, isn't Following Christ, or, um, isn't in a situation where, where they be- believe that they're a Christian then don't think they're a Christian. It's not back and forth. In the case of a number of these readers, it was people who had been exposed to the gospel, and the writer is saying, you're part of this household if you have come to the point where you have totally bought into the person of Jesus Christ and the unique hope that is found in him. So that's characteristic of genuine faith, a total buy-in, a total confident embracing of it, because our confidence is in Christ, our confidence is in the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, the expectation that we have in Christ Jesus. That is a person who is truly born again. So that's why he says that we are part of this household if that is true. Have you bought in by faith to Jesus Christ? Have you trusted him? Do you have this firm, confident expectation of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus? If so, then you're part of his household. If not, you're not there yet. That's what this verse is saying. So we talked about the nature of genuine faith and the assurance of genuine faith. His house we are. If that is true of you this morning, you are part of the house of Christ, Christ the Son. You're in because of your faith in Christ. That's what's being communicated in this verse. And, Lord willing, we will pick it up there next week and uh, look at the next truth, the next response, and that is to hear God's voice. Uh, Because I can't get through this without keeping us till one, and uh, I know you don't want that to happen (laughs) okay no (laughs) but I want us to be encouraged with what is being said in God's word this morning if you have that confident expectation in Christ Jesus you're part of his house 
And if you're not there yet, then the exhortation is, in the following verses, today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Let's pray. Father, today we give you thanks for this time together in your word. Father, we thank you for the assurance that you provide through your word. Lord, you're always driving us to your word. And we thank you for that. We thank you for providing the written, inerrant, sufficient, authoritative record of the Bible. It is your book. And it's living. And it's powerful. And by it, by the hearing of it, comes faith. An informed trust in you and all that you've said. And Lord, you call us to yourselves. And Father, as followers of Christ, help us to grow in the faith and help us to walk by faith. Trust in you, trust in your word. Confidence in you, confidence in your word. And Lord, help us to rejoice today if indeed as, as we sit here, as we are gathered here within our own mind, heart, and conscience, we're able to affirm clearly that we have this confident expectation and hope in Christ Jesus of eternal life. And we stand in Christ and Christ alone. We stand not in our own righteousness. That that is the testimony within us, that there's nothing within us inherently that makes us worthy and acceptable to you. But Father, we come to you solely in the righteousness of Christ, solely in the person of Christ, and it's in him we stand. And Father, if that is our hope and our expectation, then Lord, we thank you for the blessing of knowing that we are part of your house, that we belong, again, not because of who we are inherently, but because of Christ and who he is inherently and what he has provided for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. And we look forward to his coming again, and we say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. This has been an audio recording from the ministry of Jefferson Town Bible Church in Jefferson Town, Kentucky, where we gather to proclaim God's word. For more information, please visit jtownbible.org.